November 2018. November 1, 2018. This year we dressed up the dogs in Logan's Where's Waldo costume. Of course, this wasn't a creative one he made up. I had bought these at a garage sale, mainly for a backup if Glenn and I needed something quickly. When Logan saw them, he asked if he could use them. I think he quickly explained what for, but those words didn't enter my brain, zooming by like any other car going down the street. I feel like I reached for positive thoughts. Frisbee tag? Costumes for that? Or maybe a special night the kids all dress up while playing something? I couldn't focus on what he was telling me, all this in like three seconds of my mind. So I left it a simple interpretation, something for Logan and his friends. I didn't really think about what he might use them for. I didn't go into that world beyond the Frisbees. I'm not sure why, because I didn't think I understood it. He probably mentioned some gaming code and I just assumed I wouldn't know what that meant. Because I was angry at his gaming world? Because I had put up a wall surrounding the activities I thought were contributing to his pulling away from the family? I still don't know why my mind was so flighty when my main passion was to take so much interest in my kids and their lives. Later, when searching his computer and such, I came across pictures of him and his best friend wearing the costumes in a tournament. He looked silly and playful. He looked like the Logan I knew that could laugh and have fun. These activities took him to a world he didn't have to work at. I bet his tired mind loved going back and being childlike. He had no worries except the battle of the game, which was entertaining and since he usually won, rewarding and accomplished. I wish I would have asked more questions like I usually do. I wished I would have pictured the tournament and then it would have led to wanting even more details and I could have traveled into his world, sat in that chair with him and imagined the brief joy he was receiving. Take advantage of any opportunity to have a conversation with your kids and their world. This was a missed one for me. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag miss him so much. Hashtag suicide awareness. November 3rd, 2018. Savannah's team, the University of Colorado at Colorado Springs, won last night. They play in the finals tomorrow at 12 p.m. As if it's not enough, that we had to be in the same parking lot Logan's last breaths were all season for home games, the semis and the finals of the conference championships are played at School of Mines. The significance of this? Logan attended here his freshman first semester. It was the beginning of an end I didn't see coming. It's a prestigious engineering school and he'd gotten in purely on his ACT score. He went in with over 30 AP college credits and wanted to learn how to make prosthesis because he liked to help people. As I sat in orientation with him, I was so excited he would be with so many kids that were similar to his intellect and figured he would find some too that shared other things in common, like being slightly nerdy, but also athletic. Savannah and I dropped him off and I remember that day so clearly. He didn't want help unpacking, he didn't want us to hang around, and he didn't show us the campus. 
He didn't even care if I met his new roommate. As we landed his stuff in his room, he basically said, Okay, thanks, bye. When we got in the car to leave, I just cried. I felt punched in the stomach. I so badly wanted to be more a part of his life. But he just pushed us out in so many ways. I know kids are finding their way at this age, but I wished I would have recognized more of the depression signs and not just blamed video games. He had certainly withdrawn from the family, a classic sign. Logan didn't thrive there. He was capable, but not in the state he was in. I do believe he was addicted to the games and having a roommate with the biggest and best TV and all the consoles certainly didn't help. I recognize there were many things playing here, but it's so hard to know what came first. He ultimately moved back home by choice and transferred to UCCS and their engineering program. He didn't have the energy to work that hard and didn't have the motivation to catch up there. At least he recognized wasting money. It's far cheaper to live at home and attend a less expensive school on loans wasn't a good plan. We had just thought he was choosing the games over going to class. But I have learned differently now. He went to class. He couldn't concentrate. He was tired. He was hurting. I think his body was screaming for help while his ego told him he was fine. Shortly thereafter, I took him to a doctor because he complained of stomach aches and such. I told him it was anxiety. I was happy when the doctor concurred but it still wasn't enough to convince him he was suffering from a mental illness. Even I knew he had anxiety and depression, but I didn't realize how deadly an illness it could be. It's a disease just like diabetes. Last night, the road to the fields took us by Logan's old dorm. I was getting emotional already when Amaya said, isn't this where Logan was? I really don't know how she remembered that. I don't recall when she was there and we'd made no mention of the relation with the school and fields and Logan. I hope our team wins tomorrow. I hope I can remember this school and these grounds on a positive note. And if we win, we also don't have to come back again for regionals, which if we lose, we will because they will still host and we will get a bid and still be invited. I don't wanna have to continue to be reminded of that time period a period of such pain, pain he was going through, and us from afar. I really don't want to go back there. I really thought that semester was the beginning of him finding himself, the beginning of the rest of his life. Why is this such a small world? Go UCCS. November 5th, 2018. I don't like to run, but my daddy taught me from an early age that health was important, and running was an important part of how he maintained that. So I began running young and even ran cross country in high school. It's become a part of my routine, but I really don't love it. A couple of years ago marked a new period where I finally didn't mind running various routes around the neighborhood as I really adjusted my thinking to the surroundings. It's beautiful and lots to see and appreciate as I pass through. But when it's cold, I just can't run outside. My hands hurt to the point of tears. So I run on my treadmill when I need to put in a cardio workout 
and there aren't any other convenient options. But I really don't enjoy it at all. Music, videos, podcasts help, but mostly I end up focusing on boring. But the weird thing about me and running, I always have this urge to close my eyes, especially on the treadmill. Maybe because my eyes get a little dry. Maybe because I focus better if I'm thinking or praying. Maybe I know the next time I open them, the number on the timer will be higher. Or maybe because somehow I think I can fool myself into being in a place I'm really not. Visualizing beautifulness and anything but the bed and curtains that surround me. But, of course, one can't run on the treadmill, eyes shut, without having a hilarious and surely painful encounter with the floor. But, I recently discovered that with just one finger, my pointer finger, I can escape my bedroom drab and enter into a world of darkness, but still stay steady and on course. One little finger placed in the middle of the treadmill makes all the difference. Wow, just one finger. And although I can't see the light, I know it's there. And just knowing my finger is placed correctly, I keep my balance and I feel safe. And when I peek and get just a pinch of rays through my eyelashes, I am secure in knowing exactly where I am on that belt. I started thinking about how freeing this was and began to compare it to my life right now. Lately, I feel like I'm in a lot of darkness like my eyes are closed on that run of life. I'm not enjoying much of it. I maneuver through the day with brief eruptions of joy, but I often and quickly come back to my drab thoughts of Lori, just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Sometimes my breath overcomes me and I feel so tired, just like my workouts. One of the stages of grief is depression. Maybe I'm treading there. It's mostly a feeling and has little truth, but it's pushing me day to day to work hard at being my best self. Grief is such hard work, just like running on my treadmill. And grief even seems to make my run more physically exhausting than it used to be. But the good news, I'm surviving, and it's freeing to know I can lean on where my finger is pointing. I'm choosing to point at the one who holds my direction, Jesus. Even when I cannot see him, I know he's there. I just have to open my eyes and look for him. And it may seem insignificant, like a finger on a treadmill, but it's all I need sometimes. Where that finger points helps keep me in balance and to feel safe. When it's pointed, it's going forward, towards something better, hope. If I move it in any other direction, I fall. Not saying it's always easy to keep it that way, but that's what works. Even in my darkness, I can use my pointer finger to make all the difference in failing and, well, my falling. But I have to keep using it in this run of life. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag miss him so much. November 7th, 2018. Five Signs of Emotional Suffering Nearly one in every five people, or 43.8 million American adults, have a diagnosable mental health condition. Half of all lifetime cases of mental disorders 
begin by age 14. In addition, 1.7 million Americans sustain a traumatic brain injury every year, which may affect their cognitive and emotional functioning. Drug use is on the rise in this country, and 23.5 million Americans are addicted to alcohol and drugs. That's approximately one in every 10 Americans over the age of 12. Often our friends, neighbors, co-workers, and even family members are suffering emotionally and don't recognize the symptoms or won't ask for help. Here are five signs that may mean someone is in emotional pain and might need help. Personality changes. You may notice sudden or gradual changes in the way that someone typically behaves. People in this situation may behave in ways that don't seem to fit their values, or the person may just seem different. Uncharacteristically angry, anxious, agitated, or moody. You may notice the person has more frequent problems controlling his or her temper and seems irritable or unable to calm down. People in more extreme situations of this kind may be unable to sleep or may explode in anger at a minor problem. Withdrawal or isolation from other people. Someone who used to be socially engaged may pull away from family and friends and stop taking part in activities that used to be enjoyable. In more severe cases, the person may start failing to make it to work or school. Not to be confused with the behavior of someone who is more introverted, this sign is marked by a change in a person's typical sociability, as when someone pulls away from the social support typically available. May neglect self-care and engage in risky behavior. You may notice a change in the person's level of personal care or an act of poor judgment. For instance, someone may let personal hygiene deteriorate or the person may start abusing alcohol or illicit substances or engaging in other self-destructive behavior that may alienate loved ones. Overcome with hopelessness and overwhelmed by circumstances. Have you noticed someone who used to be optimistic and now can't find anything to be hopeful about? That person may be suffering from extreme or prolonged grief or feelings of worthlessness or guilt. People in this situation may say that the world would be better off without them, suggesting suicidal thinking. If you recognize that someone in your life is suffering, now what? You connect, you reach out, you inspire hope, and you offer help. Show compassion and caring and a willingness to find a solution when the person may not have the will or the drive to do it alone. There are many resources in our communities. It may take more than one offer, and you may need to reach out to others who share your concern about the person who is suffering. If everyone is more open and honest about our emotional health and well-being, we can prevent pain and suffering, and those in need will get the help they deserve. You can learn more at changedirection.org. Hashtag changedirection.org. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag suicide awareness. November 12th, 2018. So we did a thing, as many of you know. We bought some property that we hope to build our forever home on 
and have been working on that just a little bit lately. Scary for a lot of reasons. Mostly, forever is a hard word for me to understand. When we moved here, soon after some time in 1999, I was so excited to personalize our house. I wanted to make every room count. My mom had made each grandchild a beautiful cross-stitch with their birth stats that was similar to their nursery theme, and they no longer matched their current room decor. So I decided to put them in the laundry room and then decorate the walls with their handprints. Savannah was yellow, Logan red, and Bryce blue. The kids had a blast, and we even put them on the washer and dryer, which made me sad when we sold them. But I took pictures and thought that would be a satisfying way to hold on to the memory. But now, those adorable handprints mean so much more. Do you think I can talk Glenn into taking a piece of this wall with us? Hashtag miss him so much. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag suicide sucks. November 13th, 2018. Every day things go the way I hope they would, and then some things just don't. Savannah's season is over. They lost yesterday in double overtime penalty kick shootout. If you don't know soccer, it's not a great way to win, and it's a terrible way to lose. They were the better team, but it just seemed it wasn't meant to be because the many, many shots did not float in. I hate ending a soccer game that way. I hate that this season is over. Yes, they still went so much farther than most and have so much to be proud of, but they should have gone all the way. They have a better team than last year when they went to the Final Four and the experience to get there. But we were plagued with injuries, more than any team could ever imagine. Injuries are to be expected, but not us. What makes it even worse is that this season just didn't go the way I imagined, hoped, or even prayed for as Savannah goes. She and her team had an amazing season last year, and she earned many accolades. So again, we thought it was a preface to what was to come. But this game yesterday, it was really Savannah's first complete game back. You see, Savannah has had basically an injury-free competitive life in soccer. Playing competitive soccer all these pre-college years, she missed maybe one or two games ever. Ever. Am I thankful? Of course. But, yes, there is a but. This year, she started off with a stress fracture, and every time we thought she would be back, another injury or incident would happen. She played some minutes here and there, but was never 100%. When the next thing would remove her from a game. Why? Why do we have to keep going to these fields? A parking lot I don't want to be at anyway, empty-handed. This thing, watching my daughter play soccer, is one of my favorite things to do in the entire world. Why, Lord? Why? Finally, Savannah gets cleared from a concussion this time, once again, and we have a game before us that should have been won. There should have been an opportunity to see her play again, and again now that she seems to be back, when her dad couldn't make the trip because his flight was delayed due to weather, surely we would be spared the sadness of a loss and get to play at home next? Nope. She played an amazing game, 
surely we weren't going to lose in penalty kicks. And then we did. Just like that, over. And then the snow came, and driving 20 to 45 miles an hour for almost the entire way home gave me too much time to dwell on it. Let me be honest here. When life brings you the worst thing you could ever imagine, losing a child, a son, one tends to think, okay, now everything else should go the way I want it for a while, at least this year. Haven't I endured enough for a long time, right? You feel sort of entitled to some kind of greatness to follow. Nope, this is just not how life goes. And just because you're a believer, God does not promise all your days to be perfect and your dreams to come true. He does promise to be there through it all and make it all worthwhile and good. But we just don't get to see it all on a list displayed before us. There might be clues we collect, and sometimes it's super clear. But usually there are seeds scattered that remain left to be bloomed in our presence. What he did make clear was that I could be proud of the last game. She ended playing and not on the side, and playing well, a last memory of the greatness of my girl. This is such a hard concept to accept, though, that it's over. And it's a hard concept to understand God can turn all things to good. So, to remind me, back in June, I decided to get this tattoo on my foot. Not my will, but yours be done. Luke 22, verse 42. Because God is not a cook, he's a chef. His ingredients matter where they come from. Only the finest, and the creation is special, and not meant to be the same for us all, or even to be what is expected. Oh, how I have needed this reminder these past ten months. For me, being able to see this tattoo is a good daily reminder. What can you do to be reminded you aren't smarter than the creator of the universe. Hashtag finding joy. Hashtag hope. November 15th, 2018. 11 months. We have made it this far. I thought today would be a good day to share with you an email I sent to an organization I have mentioned before, Responder Strong. They are fairly new, created to help with awareness and treatment of mental health amongst first responders. When Logan took his life, I was looking for ways to help. I felt like his job was a piece of the puzzle, and so when I found this organization and what they stand for, I couldn't help but send an email. I didn't take time to carefully think out every word. It was raw, and just what came to mind at the moment. If you'd like to gain some more insight into our, and well, Logan's world, and what goes on in our minds, you can read what I sent to them written in late April. Hi, my name is Lori Borman, and my son Logan Borman, 23 years old, took his life on December 15, 2017. He was a city dispatcher in training. I have been in some counseling with the local agency psychologist, as my husband is a law enforcement officer. She is the one that told me about this program. I have been searching my mind and resources to figure out where I can maybe be of assistance or even an advocate for what my son went through, perhaps to try and prevent or bring awareness. Logan was a brilliant kid, but since about age 15 or 16, began suffering from depression and maybe some anxiety. The biggest problem was that he wouldn't admit it, 
We tried to get him help, but we fear he just couldn't find or reason that someone so smart could have something wrong with his or her brain. When we were able to get him some counseling back when he was 19, he wouldn't or couldn't admit depression. The counselor figured it out easily, as did the GI doctor, with all his signs and symptoms, but without him accepting this diagnosis, he wouldn't seek help beyond the couple sessions I coaxed him, telling it was to help with our communication. He did three years of school for engineering and struggled all along with many of the signs, including physical pain, difficulty sleeping, eating, and headaches. He dropped out and decided to pursue a career in law enforcement, originally wanting to be a deputy like my husband, but then saw the dispatch job and eagerly applied for it, stating, it's still all about helping people, and that's what I like to do. He was accepted and began his training in July. It sounds like the classroom part went very well, but once on the floor, the last couple weeks, he began to struggle. We're told different things from a couple of his colleagues that he trained with, and I'm only assuming these things to be true, because no one from his work in his supervisory position or above contacted us at any point. But it sounds like some of the trainers have a very hardcore and or military-like training personality. He potentially was even bullied, as we found another trainee had resigned just before him for those reasons. We were given details on some of the things stated to her during training, and it made us very discouraged. It's so sad, especially because he was the sweetest kid and took too much responsibility for his mistakes. We have heard the unit referred to as a viper pit since by multiple sources. We do know he began to lose all confidence in himself in the last couple weeks. He even called in sick three days, and another time left work for focus and nausea. About a week or so before he resigned, he told me about a day where he had three death calls, and I could tell it was very upsetting to him. Despite that he struggled with showing feelings, he was teary as he told me briefly about it. As a critical care nurse myself, I assured him he would harden over time. He also told me on the Sunday before resigning, he was very upset about two mistakes he had made. I felt they were minor, but I don't know dispatch. I could tell it was really bothering him, so I didn't even ask about details on the second one. But he also wasn't one to share his feelings much, and so it was a fairly brief conversation. He was still in training at this point, and I did reassure him that he was new and surely they can't expect you to get everything right quite yet. He resigned three days later on that Wednesday, and eight days after, he took his life. Logan did not call 911, likely because he knew the procedure and feared that he could be tracked quickly. But he did call the non-emergency line to give them the description of his clothes, his car, and where his location was. Stating he did not want to live and did not want to talk about it, he hung up, and by the time the officers reached out, it was too late. I have become aware that his colleagues in training with him, those that had gotten to know him, feel very guilty. This is extremely normal after a suicide, 
but statements made by more than one, like, I wished I would have taken the call. I would have recognized his voice and could have tried to talk to him. Bring this crisis situation to a whole new level. These people deal with suicide calls all the time, but one of their own? I'm sure these people need some longer-term counseling. My frustrations with these events are, why is there no depression, anxiety testing for qualifying to enter into the training program? I'm not saying he should have been disqualified from being hired, but certainly it could have brought more awareness to even himself. Maybe just testing after they are hired if it's not possible to do it before. He could have been flagged as a risk to be watched and maybe even without him acknowledging a diagnosis, information given to him could have helped shape how he saw himself. Even if it had to be confidential, certainly it could help some. Why didn't he get any info on suicide and the stats I'm reading about on your website in his training? I'm told at the time there was none given. I wished we knew he was at such a high risk. My husband as a police officer and me being an RN didn't even realize what an impact this job could potentially have on him. We both see sad and horrible things, but everyone processes differently. And certainly when you start out with an illness, depression is just like having cancer, it's a disease, you are at even higher risk than someone who has situational depression. In hindsight, it makes sense he was at a higher risk, but we are all for more awareness, which I know is partially what you're here to accomplish, to bring it to the forefront of people's minds. Perhaps even a handout to give to family members on signs or symptoms of when I might be in trouble and need you to assist me to seek help. After the event, there was crisis intervention among his co-workers which I see is common from your study, but nothing after or long-term, and certainly nothing before. We have learned he demonstrated many of the symptoms of depression at work from the beginning. In the classroom, he had a few days where he was obviously not feeling well per his colleagues, keeping his eyes shut and complaining of dizziness. Despite this, and not taking notes, he did well on the classroom tests. The abrupt changes of he lost all confidence in himself in the last week or so could have been addressed. And when he called in sick around these times, it goes hand in hand. Were they just annoyed that he was sick and it played into more hostility and perhaps contributed to even more anxiety? Or were they trying to see a bigger picture and figuring out why the changes in performance? Of course, this is all in hindsight but more education certainly can help decipher what is going on. It's still unclear to us whether he was forced to resign or he willingly did. He never told us he had resigned, but an exit interview from a neutral party could hopefully have brought some issues to light. I recognize these agencies lose people all the time and probably don't care, but it could have made a difference for my son and I would love to change that attitude. Why do dispatch agencies have a reputation for being a viper pit? Why did we hear the comment, those blank rhymes with witches must have been riding him hard? We have a kid here that had a nearly perfect ACT, attended School of Mines 
with 30 college credits already in place, and so was certainly capable of doing this job if he was in a mental stable position. Please understand, we are not out to blame anyone at this point. We certainly approached him at times regarding seeking help without success. And I'm not saying that implementing more services, as you are thankfully attempting to do, would have saved his life. But we can never know. Hearing from a party that he respected, and even a reduction in stigma could have made a difference for him. And I also know you are not these agencies. You are not about going in and changing policies. I just wanted to give you a perspective, a personal story, a story of a dispatcher and suicide. Maybe you could use it. And I'm not sure how this story can help, but I'm willing to tell it. If I can be of any help in your efforts, please let me know. I know this letter might seem jumbled, but hopefully you get the idea. Thank you for listening. Lori Borman November 16th, 2018 I got a sweet, sweet message from a friend today. Kim, Logan's best friend's mom, sent me this. And like so many ironic moments in my life in the last one and a half years, I happened to be across the street shopping at Costco while Amaya had some soccer training when I received it. I had just enough time to drive over and find this exact piece of steel still exposed and get a picture, although I wish I had a zoom-in camera for a crisp view of my son's name before I had to wipe the tears and show up once again with a half-fake smile in front of other parents. For those of you that don't know, Logan went to UCCS for a few years. He was within two semesters of graduating with an engineering degree. It's also the place he chose to be his final spot before ending his pain. In fact, this building sits in the same parking lot he chose to park in last. His dirt spot is now covered with cement. I have to admit, driving towards pickup, the same thought consumed me as it continues to daily. Would anyone notice I had been crying? Has it been so long they would wonder what's wrong with me? Why am I still having such a hard time? Time moves on. Do some of these people even know our story? Do they know my son is gone? My heart beats irregularly now. The message to Kim reads, Last spring, they had this beam available for people to sign. I added Logan's name next to Jared's. Who knows how long it will last? But for now, their names will always be at UCCS. Hashtag thank you, friend. Hashtag miss him so much. Hashtag suicide awareness. November 18th, 2018. At church today, and greeting a couple we have seen many times, but perhaps have never formally introduced each other, the nice lady. Hi, I know we see each other all the time, but what are your names again? Me, yes, I'm terrible with names, but I'm Lori. Glenn. I'm Glenn. You are? The nice lady. I'm blank, and my husband is blank. I know you have two grown children. Isn't that right? Lori. Yes, and we have a 13-year-old that helps downstairs during first hour. The nice lady. Oh, so three? Me. Yeah. A pause. Three. Me looking at Glenn and muttering quietly and somberly, Um, 
Three, Glenn looking to comfort me. It's just easier that way. Me, yep. Hashtag miss him so much. Hashtag suicide awareness. November 19th, 2018. My post this week on suicide and the language used to talk about it opened up another issue. Is suicide a sin? This, of course, is a complicated topic and one I can only give my opinion on because only God knows the final answer. Lots of thoughts both ways, but my question to you is, does it really matter? I mean, when talking about someone who took their life, they are no longer with us, so whether we hash it out and come up with an answer really only makes us be able to categorize a word into a box. One could argue that if we label it a sin, we can have a more armor to prevent attempts. But the truth is, no one argues the results are devastating. Do we continue to try and prevent and show that there are other options and solutions? I sure am. But the more you learn about those that have had a serious attempt or did actually die by suicide, the more you learn about their thought process. They are so debilitated with pain, they don't actually see that they have any other options. And labeling it sin isn't going to stop anyone. If anything, it probably deters people from getting help. Another stigma that can add to someone in serious need to reach out. There are certainly arguments that sin robs people of the fullest life God has given them. But people do things every day to rob their lives short. For instance, soda, cigarettes, and even lunch meat have been proven to be cancerous and toxic. The line is so hard to draw here on what we can consider a sin. Suicide is mentioned only six times in the whole Bible, but when it is mentioned, there is no moral evaluation given as to whether it is right or wrong. To add to the conversation, if suicide is a sin, is it unforgivable? I think most people are aware now that the Bible doesn't say anywhere that it's the ultimate unforgivable sin. Since it doesn't even talk about it being a sin, there certainly isn't any solid evidence it's considered a straight path to hell. That is old school thinking. And if you want to know the history, a simple Google search will give you answers. Many people have, and still do, try and reassure me regarding this. But because of the basis of my faith foundation, I never believed that even long before Logan took his life. So here is the ultimate reason why none of this matters, whether you believe it's a sin or not. The clear and consistent message of the Bible is the complete and full forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future, known sin and unknown sin through faith. Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth, but paid the ultimate price, his blood, death, in exchange for all of our sins. They, the sins, are all created equal. When you believe and accept that he gave you this free gift, there is no sin that separates you from him, and therefore also never anything you could do to earn his love. I often compare it to my relationship with my kids. I give them grace all the time, and they can't do anything to take away my love. So although Logan did probably the worst thing, sin or not, he could ever do to us, we still love him more than ever. 
as does our God. John 3.16 And thank you, my friend. You know who you are for challenging me on this topic. Hashtag miss him so much. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag suicide prevention. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag change the stigma. November 20th, 2018. Here's how grief brain works. Flighty thoughts that jump quickly and often end up with a sad thought. I'm at work down at the lab today with a specimen I'm handing over. While the lab tech is filling out her end of the paperwork, she sort of mumbles but asks me, what's this baby's birth date? I tell her and stare at the medical record label. November 20th. November, what a great month to be born in. Does every person feel like their birth month is special? Whenever I hear November, I think special. It's the month I was born. And 20th? Wow, my birthday is almost here. Wait, I don't want my birthday to come. It's not going to be special. And then Glenn's is right around the corner. Not as special as November, but December is a good month. And then Logan's birthday will come. But I don't want to think about that right now. Then I think, what will I get Glenn? He deserves something special. And then I remember Glenn showing me something from his drawer a few months ago. It was like an old Coke emblem. I don't really remember exactly what it was, or Logan giving him this, but he did. Glenn stood there crying, showing it to me, saying it was a birthday present recently. I'm trying to remember if it was last year or the year before, but maybe it's Glenn's favorite birthday present ever now. Logan knew he liked old Coke stuff, and had found it just for him. Logan didn't usually buy presents, but he had this time for his dad. I feel my eyes swelling, and about this same time, I come to, as the lab tech says, You okay? Yeah, of course I am. It's just another thought in my day. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag suicide awareness. November 23rd, 2018. It's not always what you say, but how you say it, right? Before Logan died, I had never thought that much about the word suicide, but particularly the phrase committed suicide. I have grown to really hate that phrase. I'll be honest, even the days after his death, I didn't like using the word suicide at all. Instead, I subconsciously and immediately took to telling and texting people that he took his life. Sometime very soon after that first week, my aunt and I were talking. I talked to her a fair amount because my uncle had also taken his life, and I had a sudden interest in more details, as you can imagine. And she had mentioned that etiquette was changing from committed suicide. It didn't immediately strike me in the heart too much, but then I guess because I wasn't using it. But shortly thereafter, I could hear those words zapping my ear, even if it wasn't in my conversations, as if I was programmed to visibly shake my head. I hear it everywhere since, and it's come up lately more, as everyone is talking about bird box. So here is my rant. Committed is a word we use associated things with a crime. People commit murder, rape, burglary. We use those words for actions that are considered immoral or sinful. Now, 
You may think suicide is one of those, but I can assure you, after lots of counseling and reading, it's not. I'll share some more on that in a future post. At least for now, I will say that it is not against the law anywhere. And don't laugh, because there are a lot of stupid laws out there. I know you're thinking, well, why would they ever pass a law to punish someone not here anymore? If this helps to understand, you cannot be charged for an attempt either. So the term ended up mostly changing to completed suicide. Honestly, I don't like that either. Completed is usually something that gives you fulfillment. You completed a project. You completed a class. You completed your chores. If you don't complete something, essentially you failed. Oftentimes, if you don't complete something, you have a sense of discouragement. It brings still a stigma that we are trying to avoid so that people are more willing to get help. And when you think about it, suicide is suicide. The word itself is explanatory. And so by saying completed, you are sort of using it as an adjective and that makes it redundant. So my advice is not to use any C word. Remember, C starts the word cuss. So what do you say? I like he took his life. It's the phrase I use most. Helping defray stigma, I feel it's the most gentle. But other ways you can say it and sound more respectful are died by his own hand, died by suicide, intentionally ended his or her life, killed himself. Although this sounds harsh to me too, but it is what it is, and that's what happened. I realize it probably won't be exactly natural at first, but if you practice and become aware, the wrong words will taser your ears too. It's amazing what a different world I live in now and how it's made me not only aware of things related to suicide, but also to grief, to death, to depression, to youth, to family, to just about anything that most people mistake in everyday life. Hashtag suicide awareness, hashtag mental health awareness, hashtag stop the stigma. November 24th, 2018. I have to confess, I didn't think Logan's friends were all that great of an influence, even though I honestly didn't even know them that well. When Logan entered junior high, he had a group of kids he had grown up with all through elementary school, and he was planning on being in this group for the remainder of the years. But junior high brings out new and emerging personalities, and Logan suddenly found himself at ethical odds. It was a trying and frustrating time for him, as I could see a little more anger than I had never seen before. He even punched a kid in the stomach after being frustrated that he wouldn't release the football as the rules implied during lunch free time. Rules were black and white for him, but he had never, ever hurt anyone, and this certainly went against his integrity he was so fighting for. This was really not like him, and I wished I would have seen more into this act. Logan's giftedness came in multiple areas, which made it really hard to figure out exactly where he fits in. I remember talking with the gifted counselor about he had scored high in multiple areas of the COG-AT, which made him super unique. He was athletic, but not a total jock. He was smart, but not a total nerd. He was sensitive, but didn't show it. He eventually began to develop new relationships 
and with the distance of the new boundaries of the junior high, and having multiple siblings with various activities, I didn't get to know his new friends all that well. By late high school, I knew names and had encountered some on various occasions, such as Science Olympiad. He even had them over for pizza birthday one year. But I didn't really know them, as I feel a lot of moms of boys might attest to as they get in the older high school years. But what I did know was that over time with new friends came withdrawal and extended periods spent in front of his computer screen, battling those buddies online. By the time he graduated and began his college years, I had completely associated his friends with video gaming. It had taken over his life in the last few years to where he wasn't present in our family. He was addicted in my assessment, and I tried many times to tame this, to show him, to accept counseling. But he was so good at using big words and elaborate statements to stump me into not knowing what to say next. After all, he had graduated one point away from having a perfect ACT score and over two semesters worth of AP credits. But times were different after his freshman semester as he struggled to focus and stay motivated to keep on track. He continued to spend endless hours downstairs in the dark in his room playing video and computer games. Sure, he would occasionally ask to have over several people for a board game night and sometimes told me he was going elsewhere for the same. But I didn't really hear that part. I only heard games, which I way too closely associated with video games. It was a huge source of contention in our house and something I cried about on many occasions because at some points caused fighting nearly every day. We even made him bring his computer to the dining room and limited play at times. But ultimately, we knew he was an adult, and we couldn't continue to push him away by controlling this behavior that he saw nothing wrong with. Back to his friends. I remember so vividly the day Logan got his job as a city dispatcher. He came eagerly into the garage where I was sorting and cleaning. Mom, I got the job! His expression and voice containing the relief and excitement he was experiencing at that moment. Immediately following my congratulations, I'm so proud of you, he stated, Jared and I had been talking about moving in together. I'll be able to do that quickly now. My excitement suddenly halted and my mind went to, oh great, now you can be consumed with gaming even more. Terrible, awful, I can't even imagine idea. Jared will certainly contribute to pushing your gaming habits even higher. No way do I want you to move in with him. Although I never said these words. Instead, I mustered up a, why don't you stay here just a few more months and get your student loans paid off, and then you can explore moving out. Those thoughts haunt me. I was so wrong. Today, the truth is, I think moving in with Jared could have saved his life. Jared is a respectful, intelligent, motivated, spiritual, nice, honest, trustworthy, successful, happy, funny, caring guy, a best friend any guy could ask for. Jared loves gaming, but it doesn't consume his life. Logan was, in my opinion, using it to escape the reality of his pain, but in turn it was contributing to much of his physical symptoms. 
It's very likely Jared could have picked up on many of Logan's behaviors that only we saw behind closed doors. Logan was living a double life, and although there might have been times he would have had to work harder to mask this from his best friend, Jared certainly would have new insight and become aware of his overall mood. Living together all hours likely would have brought up needed conversations. Jared wasn't seeing what we saw. I've written about Logan's friends before and how truly great they are. Men and women of great integrity and compassion, amongst so many other positive attributes. But today, I just want to apologize to Jared. I'm sorry for associating Logan's negative gaming behaviors with your character. I'm sorry for not getting to know you better over the years. I'm sorry for not realizing what a bright light you were in his life and just how much you meant to him. I'm so thankful he voiced that in his letter to you, despite how hard it is to read. It's overwhelmingly obvious to me now that you were key to his quality traits. Your words describing your search for him, because it was so unbelievable, are the most powerful that stir my emotions today. I'm thankful you've become a part of our After Logan Died lives and hope it continues. I want you to stick around as the memories you make give me a glimpse of what it would look like if Logan were still here. As I've told you, you mimic him on all levels, including all the way down to his mannerisms, except depression. Hashtag thank you for being his friend. Hashtag suicide awareness. Hashtag mental health awareness. Hashtag I am sorry. November 26, 2018. I know the night won't last. Thank goodness I have an understanding of this. That the way I feel in that dark moment won't be the way I feel the entire week, the entire day, and sometimes not even the same hour. If you struggle with having hope that your moments can be better, different, or even joyful, then maybe you need to meet my best friend, Jesus. He allows and knows me to feel these sad thoughts, but then also tells me to lay them at his feet and promises to make good out of them. Because I know he holds the future, I can have peace that these hard times are temporary. Hashtag hope. Hashtag finding joy. November 29th, 2018. Twelve-year-old thoughts. Dear Mom, thank you for being such a great mother. I know it's been hard for you after Logan, but you have recovered so fast. I also know that even though you have recovered, you still have moments. Those moments that you have are okay, because everybody has times like that. I get sad during math sometimes, because it used to help me when I had math homework. Anyway, I hope you have a great birthday, filled with love and joy. I also hope it's fun, because you are sharing a birthday with a dog. But not just any old dog, Mowgli. Happy birthday, Mom and Moogs. Love, Amaya. Hashtag Suicide Awareness November 30th, 2018 Mental health experts say it's time to normalize conversations about suicide. I couldn't agree more. What you say and don't say could save a person's life. Tip 1. If someone seems different, don't ignore it. Talking about wanting to die or to kill themselves? 
looking for a way to kill themselves, like searching online or buying a gun, talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live, talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain, talking about being a burden to others, increasing the use of alcohol or drugs, acting anxious or agitated, behaving recklessly, sleeping too little or too much, withdrawing or isolating themselves, showing rage or talking about seeking revenge, extreme mood swings. Tip two, don't be afraid to ask, then act. Ask, keep them safe, be there, help them connect, and follow up. Tip three, pay special attention when someone is going through a difficult time. Tip four, if someone makes an attempt and survives, continue to be there. Tip five, you don't need to have all the answers. If you'd like more information, visit sprc.org or afsp.org. Hashtag suicide awareness, hashtag mental health awareness.